0: Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from Duncan Darrow of Sag Harbor, who is the founder of Fighting Chance a free cancer counseling center for the East End for 18 years. Learn more online at fightingchance.org. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sundays on the East End. Uh, This is Alex Sokolow. My uh, regular co-host, Bridget, is uh, off uh, in Florida watching her daughter perform in theater. Uh, I have the pleasure of having a Guest co-host Anne Ligori with me. Hi Ann.
1: Hey, how's it going? It's going
0: great. It's going great. Anne, uh, for, for everybody that knows is, is a uh, has a long career in uh, sports broadcasting, WFAN, uh, and, uh, and and has foundations, has everything, but she's also a resident of the East End. Uh, I've gotten to know Anne um, you know, just recently, uh, we've, we've really begun what I think is going to be a long-term friendship. Uh, but, uh, hi, let's talk. How, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm so delighted to um, co-host the show with you today.
0: Yeah, this is great. So let's, let's dive right in. Let's talk about your relationship to uh, the East End. You know, the show is called Sundays on the East End. The East End's a big part of what, what we're trying to shine a light on. Uh, when did you uh, first become aware of this part of the world, and, and when did you decide to make this uh, part your home?
1: Well, you know, I'm from a small town in Ohio, Went to school at University of South Florida in Tampa and came to Manhattan right out of college back in the early 80s. So I think somewhere around the 90s, I had I just had heard so much about, you know, the East End, Long Island, the Hamptons. So I, I came out here and and just fell in love with it and eventually bought a home out here in the mid 90s. And then, say, around 2003, I ended up just leaving the city altogether and living out here full time because, you know, I was out here on the weekends before I left the city, and I just never wanted to leave. And then when I was in the city, I couldn't wait to get out here. Yeah, yeah. So you know how that is. I mean, I just love it out here so much. It's just so tranquil and so beautiful, and especially this time of year. And
0: and, and let me ask you this question, because this might be one of the themes of our show today, because it definitely is the case with me. And our guest today is, is Patton Miller. Um, Patton is a a, a a brilliant, brilliant painter. Uh, and, and human traveler of the world who also has made his, uh, his life and home on, on the east side of Long Island uh, having not been born here. So maybe one of the things that we are actually talking about today is, is what is the magic out here that, that and, and once you, you find and you commit out here, how are you able to still pursue your, your career and your passion uh, you know what? What did you have to give up, and what did you what did you gain?
1: Right. Again, I mean, from a small town in Ohio, I, I, the lure of the Big Apple was very exciting to me. You know, um, when I graduated from from college, and I still love going to the city, but just the, the beauty of the East End, Alec, is just what what draws me. And it's not ju- you know the beautiful um, countryside, but also the waterways. You know, we have a boat, so we get to explore the East End. Via the waterways, the Beconic Bay and and the ocean. You're you're surrounded by water. And and then, obviously, the prestigious golf courses out here because I'm such a big uh,
0: golfer. Right. And let me ask you, like, when did you grow up golfing?
1: I did not. Ironically, I did not play golf until... um, once I started my career in broadcasting, I had a primetime show on the Golf Channel for many years. And so I was getting these invitations to all these celebrity and charity tournaments, and I wasn't a golfer.
0: Because, you know, in golf, you're supposed to stay away from the water. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I've been told. <laughs> so, yeah, so I ended up, you know, just taking golf lessons, and I was doing a show on the Golf Channel and, and meeting all these great instructors, You know, Mm -hmm. from David Ledbetter, you know, to Jim McLean and all these people that I would grab lessons from as I was interviewing Stallone and Pesci and Costner and Celine Dion and all these, you know, my show on the Golf Channel was interviewing all these Hollywood and um, personalities and and these music um, icons. And so who were golfers. And so I would try to grab lessons from all these instructors who were associated with these uh, venues that I went to, to to do that show. And because I I was normally at back then the only woman invited to a lot of these charity tournaments. And I didn't want to be, you know, the 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 only person that didn't know how to play golf, right. especially the token female who couldn't play golf. Right. But you know what? So. Like, so
0: golf, golf and surfing. Patton is a lifelong surfer. And I know when we we start talking with Patton, we're going to be talking about his relationship to the water, his relationship to surfing and maybe how that that uh, translated to his art. Uh, and, and I see golf and surfing, oddly, is kind of very similar in, in some basic conceit, which is that you're an individual doing something individually, but you're doing it in the greater world, and there are so many intangibles you can't control. Uh, and so for you, was golf something that, uh, like, what was your, attra- I know you talked about the social attraction. What's the attraction of the game? Like, what?
1: Well, first of all, a golf course is normally built on the most gorgeous, you know, land there mm-hmm. is. You go, obviously, here on the East End with all the beautiful golf courses out here. And then, you know, it, we, I have the opportunity to go to Ireland and Scotland and, and, you know, parts of Mexico. And normally it's near water, ironically. You're going to – some of the most prestigious golf courses in the world are, are built alongside a, an ocean or a gorgeous body of water. and And so, to me – It is like a a walk in the park. I mean, it is. It's just so beautiful. Mark Twain called
0: it, uh, what, it ruined the perfect walk, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, it's just one of those sports where it's so beautiful, it's so tranquil, and it's so challenging that no matter how good of an athlete you are in one sport, it it, you know golf continually humbles you it's 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 just the ultimate challenge so i think that that challenging it's from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint just you know it keeps driving people to go and try to get a better score and play better and
0: when you would interview celebrities or 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 musicians or whomever about their golf game is it basically the same version of a story as somebody falls in love with it and they can't play and but they can't stop doing it and
1: Well, I think a lot of these uh, personalities bring so much from their career to the game. So mm-hmm. in that sense, it's very different because they, they're doing different things. You know, right. there are a lot of similarities. But most of these stars who I talk to are perfectionists yeah. and they can't perfect the game of golf. So it continually drives them to try to well, you, you know, you, score you, better or we play better. We were chatting better.
0: yesterday and you mentioned uh, one of the uh, performers from the band Rush and, right. and his passion with golf. Alex
1: Lifeson, yeah.
0: And to me, that makes perfect sense that, it, that especially like the music that rush makes and and how they approach it I could see how anybody in that band would look at golf in the same way and say like this is something that has many layers and many levels and abstractions
1: that's right I mean a lot of these guys take their clubs with them on the road they're traveling all over the world touring during the day they have nothing really to do so they go and play golf and then at night they perform and it you know it relaxes them it's great therapy it's a great stress release uh, depending on you know h- how you play, of course, and how you approach the game. In your case, since you're you say you're not as competitive as some other people, you, I, you enjoy the journey if and I, the process. If, if
0: my if the number of balls I lose is is like under a dozen,
1: then you've had a great day. I had a great round. <laughs> I like that. I've had a great round. See, more amateur golfers should be like you, because <laughs> then they wouldn't get so mad at themselves and just like destroy themselves and so you know, and get so yeah. frustrated because. It's really the process and the journey that they should enjoy because golf is such a difficult sport that you can't beat yourself up or you won't enjoy it. You have to play what Nancy Lopez calls happy golf
0: there you go. I like that <laughs> so let's 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 talk a little bit about the art of the interview, so you've spent your entire career interviewing people. Uh, do you have a philosophy of how you approach an interview?
1: Well, I think the art of an interview really depends on the research that you you know put into it and how conversational it is and and listening the key to a good interview is really listening how many people who are behind the microphones you know talking to somebody really don't listen to their guests they they want to dominate the conversation or or they want to interrupt i really think that you know you go into an interview with an outline of of research that you've done and things that you really want to cover but then the interview takes on its own art form you know, based on, you know, listening to the person and reacting to the person's conversation. And I think the, the best material of an interview comes when you let your guest kind of take a little breath. And that meanwhile, that person is kind of rearranging his, his or her thoughts. And then sometimes the most revealing things come when you give the person a lot of time to talk. Because, you know, like me, you don't come out and say things right away. And the more you talk, the more you realize, oh, my God, I just shared something with, you know, the interviewer that I never dreamed I'd share. Right.
0: So so you but you bring then because I'm big into framework and the idea that we actually live our entire lives with framework. Some we that is obvious to some that isn't. But that uh, I'm, I'm a real uh, proponent of that. So I would think that, like, going into an interview, you have a certain framework, you know certain things not to begin with but you also kind of know where you want to kind of go but i think what you're also talking is is then the journey you, you allow that to be a little bit uh more um of a conversation
1: yeah free-flowing yeah. absolutely you you kind of listen to what the other person's saying and then you know the the interview can take on many directions in many forms based on what the person's saying
0: oh that's cool all right because you know i know we're going to be talking with pat and miller uh, who's a painter and a surfer uh, and a, a longtime resident of of um, Southampton, um, although originally from the West Coast uh, and um, Hawaii. Um, and I'm saying it because we're going to have it. We're going to be interviewing somebody who I know when I've spent time with, with, with Patton. What I love the most is how digressive the conversation is and how it does kind of dance around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how we accomplish that. Um, we are. Uh, Sundays on the East End at 88.3 WPPB. You can listen to us also at 88.3 WPPB.org. I'm Alex Sokolow.
1: And I'm Anne LeCoury.
0: And so welcome. And we'll take a little break.
1: Is there someone in your life you'd like to honor, family member, friend, and unsung hero? Nominate them for a Merci Bouquet, delivered free from Sag Harbor Florist. Send name and contact information to bonnie at 883wppb.org and listen Friday mornings on the Media Mavens on WPPB. Merci Bouquet, giving thanks to our community.
2: sun went down and the jungle fire was burning. Down the track came a hobo hiking. And he said, boys, I'm not
3: turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountains. So come with me. We'll go and see the big rock
0: candy mountains. We are back uh, Sundays on the East End. I'm Alex Sokolow.
1: And I'm Ann Uh, We're
0: here at 88.3 WPPB. Uh, we are so uh, honored today to have uh, Patton Miller on as our guest. Uh, Patton uh, is, a, is, is an artist who shows uh, throughout the world, has been a the rarest of breeds, a, a, a successful working artist, a painter, among other things. He also plays a mean game of pool, uh, grew up uh, partially on Waikiki surfing, uh, and has a, a, an inherent relationship with to uh, the physical world, to the people in this world, and to the ocean uh, and water. So, uh, so happy to have Patton on. Welcome, Patton. Thank you, Alec. Hi, Ann.
1: Hey, great to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you. Uh, how are you today? Nice to meet your beautiful dog there. Sky.
1: Yeah, Sky comes into yeah. the studio every every weekend.
3: You we were just talking about your dog. What kind of, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, he's a pit bull boxer, and we got him from the shelter, and I've had dogs my whole life, and this dog's name is Henry. It's funny, our son named him Henry, uh, and my last name is Miller. So he's Henry Miller? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was at a party once and a guy was looking at me and he's a painter. He's about 90 years old. And I said, what, why are you staring at me, Joe? And he goes, he goes, I know Henry. I knew Henry Miller and you look a lot like Henry Miller. All right. And I, was, and I told my wife that and she goes, you're better looking than Henry Miller. Well, you, <laughs> you, you are now.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about Hawaii and we'll talk about surfing. Uh,
3: y- y- when were you introduced to surfing? Well, uh, my family moved to Hawaii when I was 12, but before that, we were summer people. And we would, um, my father was a pilot, and he was flying uh, the Pacific for Northwest Orient Airlines. He was a World War II pilot, then he got the job after World War II, had his whole careers flying. But he loved to, He knew Hawaii before the war, and so he always loved it. So we started Renting a house on Waikiki Beach, which, if you've ever been there, it sounds crazy. That does sound crazy. Yeah, it's like that house in New York that has a white picket fence. Right. You've seen that house, right? It's down in the village. There's like a little house. Looks like, you know, there's someone in the house baking bread. And it's got a little white picket fence. Anyways, it was like that. It was like a little cottage. And um, I was introduced to surfing around 1959 when I was six years old. So longboards. Oh, gosh. They were, they were battleships, yeah. I mean, they made of wood. I mean, how would you carry no, no, that? No, no, they were made of surfboard materials at that point. Okay. But it's a, it's a classic time. And uh, uh, when I talked to surfers and I mentioned how I started and the guys that taught me how to surf were these characters, these Hawaiian guys that uh, Steamboat and Jimmy Accioli and a guy named Mola guy, uh and Steamboat became a professional wrestler. I mean, this is you know these are these right. are these are just men trying to make a few extra bucks, but they take you know they take people out for lessons and and you'd be out there and you'd look over and there'd be an outrigger canoe full of people from Ohio, you know, with a Yay. bathing yeah go <laughs> go Sooners is that no go, no, go uh, Buckeyes Buckeyes <laughs> what do go. I know <laughs> anyways they'd, wearing, wearing <laughs> they'd be wearing the uh, the what do you call the bathing Caps, okay, you know, with the flowers on them there. And you take off on a wave, and Waikiki is a classic place to learn how to surf because the waves, unlike any other place in the world, the waves will break for 200 yards and not really change their height. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're just kind of rolling like a conveyor belt. So as a little kid, you can be on the board, and you you get your balance because it's such a big board anyway. It's very stable. And then I'd look over, and I'd see these people in an outrigger canoe, and we would just have this shared moment of exhilaration. And, and when I'm at the beach, you know, some people stretch. I'd still run across the sand to get in the water. Yeah, you still love that. that that's uh, yeah, just like sand that's
1: your pre-surfing routine? Uh, there's on. no
3: routine. <laughs> 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 run in the water. And, and, and <laughs> did you ever surf?
1: Uh, I, tr- I went on a surfing cruise once. And Dave Mason was mm-hmm. the uh, entertainment Okay. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> the singer <laughs> Dave <laughs> you're, Mason. You're, yeah. And all these surfing dudes, in fact, the guys who did the original movie, you probably know what oh, yeah. I'm talking endless about. Endless summer. Endless summer. They were yeah. on it, and so I learned from those guys how to wow. surf. I don't surf much, yeah. but at least I've, I got I've some good like lessons. I've had like a couple
0: of endless summer rentals out here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what was it like growing up in Hawaii, and how did that influence your? Well,
3: your when, art? I, when we were when we were a summer summer people there until I was twelve, I I, I wasn't really in Hawaii. I was in Waikiki, um, and so we would go there and spend like six weeks. And but when we moved there. Then I, was, then I was going to school, and it was, uh, it was beautiful, but it was right when things really started changing with the whole 60s thing that was happening. And the 60s thing brought in a lot of drugs, and all of a sudden, that aloha spirit turned a little mean. And there was, like, uh, growing up in that environment was pretty much... Well, surfing kind of saved my life, because I... Uh, Why would you say that? That's interesting. Well, because... Um, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, well, you wake up early to go surfing cause that's when the winds are usually right. And so by 10 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm asleep. Okay. I'm exhausted. Yeah. So I didn't really have the uh, energy to go out and party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I, I had a college uh, coach
0: who, who loved having the two a day training kind of stuff for that one reason He said I, I want to get you up at like 5:30 in the morning right. and doing something so that I know you're not going to be out the
3: night before. Exactly. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, then the Vietnam War thing was happening too. So, and we lived, our family home was near Waikiki. So I would go there as a a kid because that's where the action was, you know, looking for girls or whatever, you know, just because it was Waikiki. And a lot of servicemen would be there. And I don't know what the time lapse was, but it seemed like some of those guys maybe were like in battle like a week before than they were in Vietnam. So it was a very crazy time. and, And there was like, you know, you'd... I stopped going to concerts because there was always riots at these concerts. Right. And Capulani Park had a big riot once. And I just said, well, I've had enough of this. So the, the whole society was, was turned upside down. Um, and my experience there was, was really beautiful. But it was, uh, uh, I had to learn how to maneuver through, um, through the travails of, of and, and, the and, society. Right, and right. and I, th- I
0: think of movies a lot. So uh, did you ever see Big Wednesday? Yeah. So that yeah. was written by John Millius. You talk about Vietnam. He, he that movie uh, is about surfing in Vietnam.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I thought it took place on the North Shore of Oahu.
0: It did, and, and it was three uh, main characters, one of whom went off to the war, the one that ah. didn't, and yeah. so that. And he also wrote Apocalypse Now, and, and he actually, uh, I think, that was a
3: big theme in Apocalypse Now. You had a big surf the surfing scene scene, as well, yeah. yeah so. Yeah. But the surfing, uh, for me, it, was, it introduced me to, uh, light, you know, I mean you see amazing things. It's not just surfing. It's, it's, it's the things that happen to you when you're waiting for the waves. I mean, I've seen manta rays come flying out of the water. That's an amazing sight. It's incredible. To see a six-foot wingspan manta ray leave the water. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like a UFO. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, it takes you places, and it's, and it's just good exercise. And, you know, um, it beats... Beats hanging around the sofa. Did any Uh, of that
1: get into your art?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. The water is, a. a, a, if you get to know my work more, you'll see that the water is a a predominant element in my work. And and surfing has taken me all over the world. I went to Portugal, uh, and then it becomes a financial thing. I, I, I went to Portugal in the early 80s, bought land there. I had no money, but I had a little bit of money, so I bought land there, which became a good investment. Uh, I went there to surf. Uh, I went to uh, Costa Rica to uh, go surfing. Bought land there. Uh, again, not expensive. Great investment. Great investment. Um, you, we went back to Hawaii for three years and uh, had this, in, you know, our first son was born there, um, uh, Sam. So uh, he's Kenyan? Kenyan. No, no I'm kidding. He's, <laughs> he's so quick. <laughs> well, but he is a Molokai boy. And, and he's his Molokai Hawaiian, yeah. oh, and Is he a Howley or is he a uh, Molokai He's a howley boy? but he's a... Yeah. He's, he's a He's a local boy because he was born there. Even yeah. He had never really spent more than a couple of years there. And he's got a Hawaiian name. It's Kamawela.
0: Oh, fantastic. this yeah. is a beautiful word. And, and, beautiful and what name. is that?
3: Yeah. Uh, does that translate into something in English? Yes, I, I guess it translates to Sam. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But we had those three years. I was working at the uh, Kalapapa Leprosy Colony. Oh, wow. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it's, it, was, it was a terrible place until a guy named Father Damien. Uh, uh, Father Damien was volunteered uh, to take it over and turn it into a proper hospital. Um, but before that, uh, the Hawaiians didn't have any natural... We've all been exposed to the virus of uh, Hansen's disease, it's called now. But we have uh, immunities to it. And um, But the Hawaiians didn't, so they, they, they a lot of them got caught it. And so then they'd be taken from their homes. Let's say they lived on Oahu. They'd be taken from their homes, put on a boat, taken across the Molokai Channel to uh, Kalapapa, and if the waves were big, they'd just be thrown overboard. Oh my God! Yeah, it was really a terrible place. And this guy, uh, this uh, priest, uh, Father Damien, uh, came and he, he, he had a guy with him named uh, Joseph Sutton, I think that was his name, who was from Stowe, Vermont. And, uh, and the two of them straightened that place out and turned it into a hospital. That's cool. now, how'd you end up there? Well, we were living on Molokai, and you can see the, you can see the uh, peninsula from the cliffs above it, but you can't really explore it, and so I was curious about the place, and so I called the state up and uh, volunteered my services as an art instructor. And they told me to uh, contact the doctor in charge, and he sounded very dignified, and he goes, well, yes, come on down and uh, bring a case of beer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and i want a job interview like that yeah
3: so i went down there and i, I worked there on weekends for uh two years that's and cool. basically it's an old folks home because uh it's fairly eradicated the, the virus is arrested you can still catch it but it's arrested with these sulfon drugs that were developed in world war ii mm-hmm. but there were still old timers there i think they've all died off now and it's now a national park but i was asked by the matriarch I think she expected me to be some sort of do-gooder. You know, I okay. you know, you hate do-gooders, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she said, why are you down here? And I said, well, I'm really interested in the geography, which was the truth. Okay. And she said, that's a good reason. All so right. Well, that's I, a I good passed, answer. I passed muster. And, and, uh,
0: yeah. and, and so you're growing up as a kid. You're surfing. When, when did you start
3: finding that fire for, for your painting and for art? Well, when I was, when I was like in uh, elementary school in Seattle, I, uh, I was the kid that drew. And I remember once I took a a drawing of a Tyrannosaurus Rex to class, and no one believed I drew it. And they said, well, do it again. I was like, well, I can't just do it again right now. You know, it took time. Sure. And I I never forgot that, but but I always drew. And then, you know, when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old, I sort of forgot about it because I was too busy being a kid. And I was surfing every day and, um, you know, I had this really terrible, uh, the Hawaiian school system is, is one of the worst in the country. And so I dropped out in high school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a bad kid. I just, I just got a GED and started working okay. and traveling and working. And then I went to the Honolulu Academy of Arts. But uh, um, I, I got ahead of myself. But uh, when I was around 18 or so, I started thinking about, actually, I was hitchhiking on the West Coast in, in Monterey right near Henry. I was, a woman picks me up and she says, by the way, those dogs that are looking at you are Henry Miller's dogs. Y- you Henry
1: know Miller's come into this <laughs> story yeah, yeah. a few times. Well, anyways,
3: there you go. That's the, that's the last time you hear about Henry Miller.
1: No, no, but, but you
0: know what's great? It's like we were hanging out yesterday um, and, and you told uh, an anecdote about uh, Lichtenstein. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You have these chance encounters oh, that I'm, are. I'm
3: like Zelig. You're a gump or yeah, something. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So, so, me, so, you, have, so you, have, you have Henry Miller's dogs. So, anyway, so the woman picks me up and, and I had a portfolio and she said, let me see your drawings. And uh, I showed them to her and she goes, you got a natural talent, but you should go to art school. Good advice. And so when I got back to Hawaii, I... Uh,
1: this was just some random yeah, woman? Yeah, she gave
3: me a ride for 10 minutes. Oh, my God. It yeah. changed your life. It changed Unbelievable. my life. Yeah, that stuff amazes me. So, I, so it sticks in my head, and I get back to uh, Hawaii, and I tell my parents I'd like to go to the Honolulu Academy of Arts, and I went. And then after that, I graduated, and I had a summer to kill, so I tried to sell vacuum cleaners. I was the worst Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman in the, in the history of Hawaii anyways. But I hear you're a real suck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there he goes again. <laughs> Drum roll, right. Yeah, I'm wrong, exactly. <laughs> right? No, okay. So, so
0: you're, 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 sell, you're So then
3: I spent a year in Asia, and that's what brought me uh, selling vacuums. Yeah, no, was, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Sucking up. <laughs> yeah, sucking up to the Asians, right? No, I was, so I, I spent a year in Asia, and that took me to Southampton, uh, where I, we had a family friend who. I came to visit, and that's how I ended I up. I wondered
1: how you ended up on the East End. Yeah, it was very. you on the opposite ends of the planet. Again, very random.
3: Have- I, I when I was leaving Hawaii for this trip through Asia, I uh, uh, our friend said, "Well, when you get to New York, come out to Southampton and see me. Um, I have my other houses there." Um, and in fact, that woman was the person who told my folks, "Yes, send him to Honolulu Academy of Arts. He has talent." Because she was in the fashion so, so business.
0: What's, what's her name?
3: Her name is was Ellen Offit. And so she had a profound effect. This On wasn't your yeah. the
1: woman that picked you up randomly, and then uh,
3: no. Oh, it was okay. a different one.
0: No, okay. Oh, okay, I, I, I misunderstood. Uh, that. Yeah. Two different No, but
3: but anyways, I, I'm probably bouncing around. No one out there in radio land can probably follow this. No, but that's okay. But, but like, but
0: one of the things, Pat, that I that I, I'm very attracted to in in when you talk is. You 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 really seem like you're out in the physical world that that you're out in the world, and I'd say the same thing with Anne. Like like y- you you both have carved paths that are uniquely yours, and have gone places that you probably didn't think you were gonna necessarily get to, and so I, I think it's fascinating. I see you as a real human being. Like, well, thank you. You know, nice to be real. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and human. And, yeah. and <laughs> human, but but I think you know, we've all carved out some interesting life Because here. I mean, already in 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 this. Conversation. We've been in 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 Portugal and Costa Rica and and Asia and Hawaii and Monterey and and East End, End Ohio. Don't forget Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, my niece lives in Ohio. I love it. Good people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And and yet you're bringing you're bringing your eyesight or your your the, the way you see the world. You're grabbing different
3: things that that stay and live inside of you and and ultimately come out in your art. Well, I've thought about that. It's like, what's my culture as, as a 1950s kind of kid in the United States? And I think of you know Leave It to Beaver episodes and TV tray dinners. And so I've spent my whole life going, and I'm the son of an airline pilot. I spent my whole life going to different pl- wor- pl- places around the country, and uh, world, I mean, and and painting and drawing those
0: those places. Which is which is magical. And yet, uh, you found uh, Eastern Long Island. You found the Hamptons. You found. The light here. You found the piece here. You found everything, and you said, "This is where I'm supposed to be."
3: No, uh, I <laughs> got no, <laughs> no not at long, all. i Alex. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough of that. i uh, no. no. straight. <laughs> uh, I'll say straight. Right. I'm right. very pragmatic. You, you're at, you brought a case of beer. So I spent <laughs> I spent a year in Asia, which was full of adventures, getting kidnapped in Morocco and uh, machine guns in my face in Greece. And but uh, after a year, I finally arrive in New York, and I come out to Southampton to see this uh, friend of mine, Ellen Offit, and she says, thank God you're here. This is before cell phones, of course. She goes, I I had no idea when you were coming, and I have to go on a business trip. Will you take care of Jose and Lolita? And I said, sure, I'm pretty tired of traveling. Those those were her chihuahuas. Okay. So my whole life really hinged on those chihuahuas because she said, oh, and by the way, go visit the college. So I went up to Southampton College, and I went to the art department because I was drawing and painting on that trip. Okay. And I, and, and I started talking to Don Kirka, who was the head of the uh, art department. And he goes, he goes, well, bring back those drawings. I want to see them. So I did the next day. And he goes, you want to go to school here? Wow. And I said, well, I've got $40. I had enough money to get back to Hawaii because I had the ticket. And $40 was plenty to get me back to Hawaii because I had the airplane ticket. And he goes, no, no, no. I mean, uh, compete for a scholarship. So like three weeks later, they had a scholarship competition. And I had drawings from... You know the, from the Himalayas, right? And and I got the scholarship, right? And that's why I stayed. Take that, like the kid that had the drawings from Ronkonkoma, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember one kid exactly. had one kid had like a album, like a Santana album cover, right. or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> called, copy. he traced it, uh, right. yeah, right. <laughs> and you
1: had this work from all over the world. How would you describe your style to our radio audience?
3: Well, I have two, th- I have kind of two yin and yangs going here. I uh, when I travel, I do paint the people I meet and places I see. But when I'm in the studio, I sort of just dream things up. Um, it's, and I like them both, but I don't want to do both all the time.
0: Yeah, and you know what? When we come back from our break, I think that's a great uh, area to pick up on because that's uh, inspiration and, and and what you dream up is great. Uh, you are listening to uh, Sundays on the East End uh, with Alex Sokolow.
1: And Ann McCory. And
0: Uh, Patton Miller. And and Patton Miller today. Um, (laughs) And Sky. And Sky. And And one thing is, uh, before we go on the break, uh, Chief Skronecki, our chief of police in Southampton, has asked that I read uh, the following public advisory on behalf of the police department. Uh, Arrange to pick up packages delivered to your home this holiday season to avoid theft. And if drinking, please drink responsibly and arrange for a designated non-drinking driver ahead of time. Help us help you to stay safe. And enjoy the holidays. And again, that's from Chief Skronecki. But for all of us out there, let's have a, a happy and healthy and safe holidays.
2: 365 days a year, WPPB is working for you on the air and on our website. WPPB has a helpful community calendar on our site. Just go to 883wppb.org to the community calendar tab and tell us about your activity or event. It's free, easy, and fast. WPPB is the voice of the community, 365 days a year, 7 days a week, on the air, and online. Spread the word about your community events. Go to 883wppb.org.
0: everybody we are back uh sundays on the east end this is alex socolow
1: and ann legory
0: welcome back and and again we're here chatting with uh, uh Patton miller uh who is a southampton based artist but really a man of the world uh when we took our break we were talking about how you perceive your own process and your own art and maybe we can jump right back in there because i think that's fascinating uh whether people are familiar with your work or not uh what you bring to when you begin your, your, any, any project?
3: Well, as I was saying before, I, I, the yin and yang is uh, the work I see around me and the work I f- that comes from the interior collective consciousness. But uh, this, this place we have in Costa Rica is, is a mountain valley about four miles from the ocean. And uh, it's called Pueblo Nuevo. And we bought this place around 22 years ago and no one knew us, my Spanish wasn't very good then. And we, um, I just started painting everybody. And uh, the woman across the way was a fair, you know, an Indian woman had this, you know, they have these beautiful features. And also the people have more time Uh, here. Everybody's in a hurry. But down there, they they would sit. So the whole valley became my open air studio. And I painted all the animals and all the people, grandmothers, grandfathers, uh, kids. And I've been doing it there. I mean, they got to the point where they were used to me being in their yard with a big drawing table and all my paints and stuff. And I, I would basically capture the drawing and then go back and paint it. But uh, uh, Saturnina, uh, and the names they have uh, are so much in, more interesting than, than you know, the names we have here. They, uh, they Ulysses. I know Ulysses down there. Who names her kid Ulysses <laughs> now? Yeah? Well, anyways, the neighbor across the way, Saturnina, had lost a leg from an infection many years before we bought our farm. And... Uh, one day was, she had to go. She had a doctor's appointment, so uh, her husband uh, and her waited for us to pick them up at 4:30 in the morning because we were going surfing, and the, and the, there's a really good surf spot about 40 minutes away, so we were leaving very early. And um, so I went. We went. We pulled the car up to her gate, and the dogs are barking, and it's very dark. <clears throat> and I go to the door, and I see that because of her one, she has only one leg. It's really better if I carry her because of the roots and the dogs and everything. And I asked her permission to carry her because she's a dignified person. And, and she said, yes, that's fine. <clears throat> so I carry her uh, from her little hut down the trail to the gate, and go through the gate and open up the door of the car and put her in the front seat. And I, I say to my boy, and I, you know, we all get in the car and, and we get ready to go. And I say to the, my, my sons, this is what I love about traveling. How in the world could I have ever thought at some point in my life, I'll be carrying a one-legged Costa Rican woman surrounded by barking dogs at 4.30 in the morning who smells like night-blooming jasmine. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and it's
0: crazy. And again, that's the thing. It's like, but as the artist, you're able to kind of appreciate the moment as you're living it.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's good to have that, be, be, to be somewhat aware.
1: So are most of <laughs> your paintings then done in different parts of the world?
3: No, uh, when I I travel... Do you do a
1: lot here on the East End?
3: Yeah, I'd say 80% of what I do is here because I live here, and we've raised our kids here, and uh, uh, Sam and Christian and uh, my wife Nancy and I have raised our two sons here. And um, so when I'm here, I'm painting just reflections of things I've experienced plus that intangible... Thing that happens when you make art.
0: Well, you, you mentioned yeah, yesterday I, I was in your studio. You were giving me a healthy lesson on the, on, on pool and billiards, huh, and, and you, you shot pretty well. Well, <laughs> you know what? I, I learned a lot, though. Uh, but but you 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 showed me a, a canvas you just started working on, and, and you said that when Nancy came in, she what she said something that she said uh, they're all here. They're all here. All, all, all the, the characters, characters. <laughs> you like to. Yeah. Draw. Yeah. I think that's cool.
3: So they stay alive in your head. Well, yeah. Some of them I can tell you exactly where they came from, and some I can't. There's I, I often. Um, like our our second date, Nancy and I got together around 1987, and our second date in 1988, I say it's our second date, and it kind of was. Okay. was a five month trip to Mexico. All right, we drove. I hope you guys went Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of things Dutch. <laughs> we uh, we That's uh. Way too much information. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, we, uh, we drove there from here in a pickup truck with a camper in the back and a dog about this size, yeah. surfboards, art supplies. And we ended up living in Michoacan, which is on the West Coast. Wow. It's, now it's kind of dangerous. Now it's a kind of a drug war place. But uh, back then it was really amazing. I mean, it was the, Coletta de Campos, this little town next to where we were surfing. One day we're there, and all of a sudden a couple trucks pull up, and all these people started erecting something and it's it's they erect a movie theater out of out of canvas um, and they it w- turns out that they were gypsies wow. they were, looked like e- eastern european gypsies right and they created a movie theater sold tickets showed movies for 2 days and then moved to the next town wow I love that kind of well, stuff. Well,
0: that, again, that's... that's that that's, stuff shows up you know, in You know what? Like, just in our conversation right now, one of the things that really jumps out is this phrase of, like, that's popping in my head is you learn by doing. And you talk about surfing and how you learn that. You talk about how I didn't know how to speak Spanish that well and then you learn that. And art is the same thing, is that, is that you, you learn by doing. And so I think that in the, in the course of one's life and career, uh, nobody really starts off good. You start off with the potential of something right. and then it's pure passion.
3: Well, a lot of it is hard work. Um, you know, you have to have talent, but you also have to show up. Yeah. And um, I work all the time. I, you know, I I started working in construction in Hawaii, and I loved it. I loved working with men. I liked making money. I liked the hard work that it was, and it was hard work. It was hot hard work. Yeah. And I liked it. And when I came here after I graduated from college, I painted houses. I didn't really have any skills. It wasn't like I was a carpenter or anything. Yeah. I. I,
0: I, I, I Quincy Jones, like, several years ago, I, I, I was in his company, and he said, I think the only place in the world where success comes before work is
3: in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'm
1: looking at these paintings in this calendar you gave uh-huh. you gave us. Thank you so much. And I'm just still trying to, you know, get you to describe, you know, your style. Because it seemed like it's 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 realism. It, the colors are, aren't joyful, right? You paint what you see. What's, what's joyful th- colors? Well... Bright, pastel.
3: Right? Okay. I,
1: I mean, there are a lot. There's a lot of black and white, of, with your sketches. Then there, these are darker. I'm looking at a lot of these well, paintings this is that are funny. darker. This is a
3: bear looking at a man in an outhouse. Okay. And Do you the, see his boots. Yes.
1: Yeah. Was that something that you actually f- physically saw? That happened or? to me, and
3: I had to stay in that outhouse for hours. No, <laughs> know, wow, for, for shit's sake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <It's, and> this <laughs> almost looks like the windmill at National. It but
3: oh, it is. Yeah, the very wow. first painting when I moved here and one day. Now to, that's happy yeah with yeah the brighter happy colors, colors. yeah happy
1: yeah, colors. yeah
0: The picasso's so, like uh aquamarine period was very uh <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: so this is actually you did paint the golf course i national did national golf links the very first America.
3: painting i ever did on long island uh, when i was staying at ellen Offit's house was of that golf course and uh yeah uh, um well my color my palette is sort of a mixture between like uh like like dirt and sky and um like in costa rica when i would do all those paintings and my neighbors, I would, you know that red bauxite earth that you yeah. see in a lot of places around? I, I would make a, a, a slurry of that. First I'd make the drawing, and I use really heavy paper so it doesn't fall apart. Then I'd take this red slurry and put it over the whole piece. And then I'd take it to the river and rinse it off. And then I'd have this really good drawing with, a, uh, with this red, beautiful red tint over the whole thing. nice. And then when you use like your cooler colors, like blues and greens and stuff, it, it's not sitting on white paper, it's sitting on a terracotta color. And you sure. can imagine how colors jump more right. uh, on that color than they do on white. And, and, and so do you make your own paint? I make uh, certain paints and I buy my oil paints, but I make my own grounds. What w- is that? The ground you? is the first coat you put on the canvas. Okay. And I learned this from house painting. As I said, after college, I started painting houses. And uh, de Kooning was a house painter. Um, and it, te- it sort of wax on, wax off. It teaches you how to use materials. And, you know, And sometimes people say, do you paint? And they move their fingers up and down like that. I'm sort of insulted when they say that because it's like, well, no, I don't stand there with a little tiny brush and go back and forth. I use knives. I use, I use uh, all kinds of tools, grinders. So the work has a physicality to it. Right, and you know when we were talking yesterday, one of the things
0: I, I really dug was you were talking about uh, how you had you had this house painting effort that was able to pay your bills while you were starting to make it as an artist or, or right. struggling to make it as an artist, and and I, I definitely can relate to that. But perhaps we can talk a little bit about, a bit about that. Your your years trying to get your foothold right in, in your career. well, it was
3: never a struggle because the, the idea of being able to what's a a struggle is like cancer or something. You know, it's like well, you know, it's yeah the the the, the the life of an artist is a. After I've dug ditches, this is easy. Right. This is a cakewalk. I love this. You know, I, I never have problems going to the studio and working ever. Because right. Because it's just a. It's, it's a, lo- a release. It's a, luxury. a joyful release. It's, it's right? incri- I, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful for. You know, I wake up. I make coffee for my wife. I. I you saw that movie my kids made. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really lovely. Yeah. And what a love letter to you. Yeah. Thank you. And and you know, I go to the studio. I paint. I go have lunch with my wife. Uh, go back and paint some more. Shoot some pool. What's hard about <laughs> go this? Go surfing. We haven't talked
0: about surfing on. But there was this moment er, early on in when you were first on Long Island. We were speaking about how you, you had this this effort, you know, working in, in the upkeep of houses out here. Yeah, and that gave you an income. Yeah. That allowed you to, to buy
3: your place. It allowed you to kind of... Well, when you show up with $40 in your pocket, you better get moving.
0: But that's, that's, I think that's important, though, because, yeah. again, that goes to you know, the, the, the work that,
3: that one does to, to then have the opportunity to pursue to do, your yeah. passion. Yeah. I was always glad to have the work. And then I, uh, what happened is I worked for a, 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 this famous decorator, as a, uh, Ellen Offit, again. Uh, her neighbor was a guy named Charles Deer, who was this famous decorator. And so I became the guy that moved couches and that kind of stuff. And I met his clients who were, Charlotte Ford was one of them, and, 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 and the Sullivans, which were part of that family. And they had these huge houses, and they liked me. I was a good kid. I was a nice kid. I was an honest kid. And I started this, so they'd say, well, I started this company, and I hired all my surfing buddies, and we're all young, athletic men. So we would, like, you know, just work all day really hard, laughing the whole day. Nice. And and people would often say, "It's so nice having you here. You guys are just like having, you're having such fun. you're having such a good time, and we did good work, yeah. and we got paid well, a lot better than you get paid at working at a gas station, which I've done. Uh, so have I saw a buy. Yeah, uh, which doesn't pay you much. We were contractors. I had, I, had yeah. I, I I did a one midnight shift
0: at what was the Hess station on 27 out here uh, as a kid. A friend of mine's like, "Come on, it's 11 in the night till seven in the morning. We're gonna have a great time." We both fell asleep at like three in the morning. People pumped free gas, and when we woke up, <laughs> the guy said, You owe me 60 bucks. <laughs> 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 that goes your career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there
3: you <laughs> go. Anyway, so I was always, <laughs> glad to, always glad to have the opportunity to work in an economy. It's one thing I do love about this area. I, I lo, I lo, first of all, I was joking before, I, yeah. do, I do love living here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and um, the camaraderie, and, and well, you know, I do these exhibitions at the Southampton Arts Center. Which is uh, uh, lo- my love letter to the area. Which is something that I think when we come back from our, our last uh, little interlude, uh, we're going
0: to talk about yeah. your, your curation, your exhibitions, and, and, and where you're putting your energy uh, you know, in, the, in the here and now and the present. Uh, so, again, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Sundays on the East End. Uh, Alex Sokolow.
1: Anna Gore, And <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll Pat be back. Back. Miller. And, and, was Pat
0: Miller. and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was
2: mesmerized by Patton's art. Uh, and, the artwork uh, is just <laughs> mesmerized. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in a, a sec. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 2002, Fighting Chance is a free-of-charge cancer counseling and resource center independent from any hospital and funded solely by Charitable Contributions located in Sag Harbor on Long Island's East End providing patients and their caregivers free access to a variety of resources and professional counseling. More information at fightingchance.org or 631-725-4646.
0: We are back, Sundays on the East End. This is Alex Sokolow. And Ann Lagori, And uh, we have Patton Miller here in the studio. Uh, Patton, just before we uh, had our last interlude, uh, you talked about some of the uh, curation that you do at the Southampton Arts Center. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit.
3: Well, about five years ago, uh, six, no, six years ago, I was asked to a think tank at uh, um, David Bonet's house, who's on First Neck Lane here. It's, it's where uh, uh, the vice president used to stay. Uh, Joe Biden. Oh, Joe yeah. Biden. Yeah, I wrote Joe, and I said, uh, you you're mean, living.
0: Amtrak comes all the way out here?
3: <laughs> yeah. Joe. I asked Joe, I said, you're you're living with my paintings. Why don't you come over to the studio? But I never heard from him because David's got a collection of my work. Anyway, so um, they had a think tank about what to do with the Southampton Art Center after the Parish Art Museum moved to Watermill. So they thought they should have an artist's point of view, so I was invited. <clears throat> and I gave them my uh, two cents worth. And a couple months later, they said, we like your ideas, so why don't you uh, curate a show that you recommend it? And my, uh, simply my idea was if you want to be beloved, if you're new, you want to be beloved as an art uh, center, reflect the area and, damn, this area is plenty, you know, it's neck deep in artists. <clears throat> so I did the first show and then it was, it was very successful and so they've asked me back. Now, this next one and next spring will be, ne- will be five and I've covered about 150 artists and not repeated. I have a kind of one rule is I don't repeat. No, th- now, why do you Any have artist. that rule? Why do you have that rule? Well, when I run out of artists, I'll start repeating. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, now, these artists from all over the country or just no, from no. out here? All East End. All East End North artists. Fork,
3: South Fork, East End. From so the many canal- artists out there. Uh, so, from so, the canal So you,
0: get, you give a, a platform for yeah. the local artists. And
3: it's, it's amazing. I've, some artists have had huge international careers and other ones. Uh, one guy has this incredible body of work, uh, Peter Dazansky, I saw his work at the, at the uh, Rogers Memorial Library he's as far as i know he's not shown anywhere and his work is incredible okay huh. uh, it's uh, that's like the james ensor story i don't know if you're familiar with his story but he was completely unknown and now he's a major artist he's he's been dead for 60 70 years but that happens in the art world. That helps when you're di- when you die, you become major. Well, it does help. And so do you the seek big the? Do you I know, I know. Yeah, right. Like when and, and and like one of the, like the, the life goals is to stay alive, right? So yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's uh, who wants to be dead.
1: So do you pursue these <laughs> artists, or do they come to you wanting? Oh, to Oh no, it all happens
3: in a very organic kind of way. Um, you know, um, it's hard to understand how it happens. I, I do get uh, people reach out to me, but it, it happens more happenstance. Um, like a lot of things in life, but right. uh, when well, the first two or three shows, I knew everybody cause I've been on here for so long. So I was, I was literally uh, inviting my friends okay. and, and now it's been more of a voyage of discovery for me. Um, I, uh, this, um, a woman named, um, uh, Arden Scott in, in, uh, in Greenport. She's, she's, she's North of 80 and she's had a long, long career I had never heard of her. My my bad, but oh, her yeah. work is incredible, and she's going to have a whole bunch of her work in this Isn't show. Isn't that great? That's great. Good yeah. for oh, that's you brilliant. for so
1: finding this woman. Isn't that great? Well, no,
3: I didn't find. I mean, she's been well known for a long mm-hmm. time. It's just it was
0: new to me. Right. right. Um, and and so so when you say 150 artists, is that a year or is that a no, no, of no, five?
3: no no? We usually about 30 artists. Okay. You know, it, I think it's going to be 150 with this show, um, yeah. it's, I, but never repeated. Not yet. Not yet. And had you curated before? Had you ever done a show? I like had it? done a few shows. I did a show. Do you know Pumpkin Town? You know that? Yeah. On the way out to the uh, water mill? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on the other side of the street from Pumpkin Town are those big barns. Yes. Hank Krasinski's uh, farm. Sorry, Hank, if I mispronounce your name. But uh, um, I have a friend of mine named uh, uh, An- Andrew Hurley who knows, grew up with Hank. And we together curated a show in that barn. I mean, that barn's so big, when you put a potato truck, it looks like a Tonka toy. Yeah. Uh, and we had a thousand people came. So I'd, I had, a, and I curated some other smaller shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these uh, exhibitions with Amy Kerwin uh, and Tom Dunn at the Southampton Arts Center have been my biggest uh, endeavors. And it's a joy. It's awesome. yeah. yeah. no. And oh, go ahead. Sorry, right, I was gonna,
1: I'm going to shift over back to surfing of course because I'm a okay. sports Wait. person but yeah. so obviously you surfed in in uh, on way out in Hawaii and yeah. now you're on the East End so is it a, still a big part of your life surfing out here on yeah, the East End
3: Yeah I surf I I, I had a um, surfer's get injured like other athletes and I had a herniated disc in my neck which made it hard for me to arch my back mm. uh, and when you're surfing when you're on prone on a surfboard a big part of it almost 95% mm. of surfing is paddling and you have to arch, you have to tilt your head sure. back and arch this to paddle. My left arm was going numb because of the herniated disc. Oh. This is one thing where I'm glad I never got surgery. The body got better. I, I got better. But in the me- in, three years ago, I started stand-up paddle surfing. Do you know what that is? Sure. Um, and so I'm. I have a board that's designed for catching waves, but I'm stand-up paddle. I, I'm standing up.
1: So uh, are you doing that on the ocean or on yeah. the bay? Yeah.
3: Oh no, the bay is is it's too calm. It, no, it's just boring. Uh, I'm a surfer. I mean, <laughs> but most <laughs> paddle <laughs>
1: I, I would hate bay. to be a scallop
3: <laughs> in your world, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, I Too I, boring. I, but I, how
1: about the waves here? They're nothing compared to what you had.
3: They're in- better than you think. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. And the nice thing about here is, like, um, first of all, I'm 65 years old. I don't need to be surfing 15, 20 foot waves. Um, I, I still like, I, I, and I've always liked big waves. I'm a big guy. I love surfing big waves. But when I surf here, like, a, like down on the beaches here, there's no one around. And I'm surfing waves that are two or three feet overhead. So what's wrong with that? Yeah. And I also, I, don't, I am the last guy in the world to hustle for waves. It's <laughs> undignified. <laughs> I, I, I won't do it.
1: God forbid. Don't hustle for waves. So are uh, you surfing in the winter?
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. So you don't
1: mind the, the, the temperature? Well, it's
3: like skiing. You know, I, I, have, the right, I have the right wetsuit. I, I don't go out when it's zero degrees. You, you wear a wetsuit suit when you ski? I wear a wetsuit. Scoot. A scoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going scoot out of this conversation. I mean, would you, <laughs> would you surf
1: today? I mean, 24 uh, well, degrees. Well, there is no waves
3: today. Okay. So, But, right. it, when but the it goes,
1: cold weather
0: doesn't and scare then The you. ocean gets down to about 55 in the winter? No, it
3: gets around 38, 40. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. cold. That yeah. is That's cold. I've cold. surfed with ice. You know, All I have chunks right. of ice floating around. You're tough. But, uh, my ears are not as tough. My ears are shot. Okay. So I can't dive anymore. I used to do a lot of free diving uh, with a spear gun. I can't do it anymore. And
0: where were you doing that?
3: Hawaii. Okay. I was in Molokai, we had so little money. We, I was not doing it for sport. I was feeding the family. Wow. And it was great. It was one of the best times of life. I was a new father. Yes, we had no money, but it didn't seem to matter because we were just living this. You had
1: fresh fish every night. Yeah. <laughs> How great uh, was
3: well, that? Well, uh, Pat, you, you, bring, you bring, sure. I mean, you truly bring joy to,
0: to the, the mundane. I mean, that's, that's what I think is like a
3: gift, is, is to find joy in, in the everyday. Well, let's, let's make one thing straight. I don't, I don't sit in a toll booth. You know, it's not that mundane. Um, some, I admire, what I admire a lot is when people have jobs that really are drudgery and they do it with dignity. That's mm. right. I think that's, a, and joy. I, I think that, uh, that it, to me is brilliant. Yeah. Really brilliant. My life, are you kidding? It's like, I told you how I the live fantasy. my life. It's, yeah. it's like, if I was grumpy like this, take me out and put me down. No, I know, <laughs> but,
0: but, but, <laughs> but, you know, I, so one, uh, another Mark Twain quote is, you know, the. The di- difference between dogs and people is, if you save a dog's life, that he won't grow to resent you. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I say that, that because I think a lot of people find resentment, If a lot of people find a reason to not feel that blessing, not feel that gratitude. Yeah. And what what's what I am really turned on by getting to know you, let alone you know having you on the show right now, is you do bring joy, and that's and that should not be a given. It should be a given, but it's not. I should say.
3: Well, the other day I walked downstairs, the, the, everybody's asleep. We're, we're empty nesters now, uh, so that everybody means my wife, Nancy, the dog, Henry, the cat, <coughs> Ari. So I walk downstairs, and I'm turning off lights, and everything's the fire in the fireplace is starting to go down. And I just thought, it just doesn't get any better than this.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant.
3: And, uh, and I have an artist residency out in Half Moon Bay, which is right south of San Francisco, is where Mavericks is. Sure. It's a complete coincidence that it's a giant surfing center. But part of me doesn't want to go. But of course, I, I have traveled my whole life. Part of me is kind of like really like staying home these days. Nice. You know? But I have to resist that because that's my comfort zone, and it'll be great. Well, you, I'll, I'll go out. And well, have you a good mentioned
0: your artist residency. I, I you also teach, right? I, yeah,
3: I've been teaching for thirty-five years. I've taught it. I, I it's funny. I taught at Southampton College once, and I love the Southampton College. But they gave me a contract that uh, for my adjunct you know, $800 for the... Yeah, you know, class? yeah I've, I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and on it stapled in a kind of a crooked way and badly stapled was an oath. I'd never seen an oath before, but it said that I wouldn't try to overthrow the Constitution of the United States from my position as art instructor.
0: Oh, I, wow, a I little, little, little subversive so I went
3: communism is going on. I went over to good old Don Kirka, yeah. the head of the department and also the head of the uh, union, and I said, you know, Don... It's funny because I was planning on overthrowing the Constitution <laughs> of the United States from my position as adjunct art professor in this little school. <laughs> no, <laughs> and no. he goes, Very funny, Miller, just sign it and let's be done with it. And I said, No, this is McCarthyism. I'm not going to sign it. Yeah. And I threw it away. Good. And nothing ever came of it. All no, right. And did, and did you then teach there? Yeah, I taught. And uh, it was funny because I had two, the class was divided in, into two really serious art students wearing berets and having goatees and a bunch of beat up rugby players. And I said, so went to the rugby guys who we took it as an easy elective and yeah. I said, listen, fellas, just pay attention to me and do the best you can and we'll see what comes out. And you, wouldn't you know, their drawings were free and easy and really great. Meanwhile, the real serious people were really competent but their work was very stiff. Yeah, but what's that anecdote I, I read once about
0: Picasso where, where he saw uh, like preschool or, or kindergarten kids Painting and, and he
3: left and somebody found him weeping and he said I'll never be able to paint yeah. that freely. Well, those rugby guys were kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, and a friend of mine came in and said, "Boy, these rugby guys are really good." Anyway, so when I gave everybody grades, I had to give them all A's because the rugby guys' artwork was better than the serious art students. But the serious art students were competent, but they were sure. kind of too serious. So the the uh, there was there was some grumbling about from the serious people about the rugby I'm going to take your class. Everybody gets A's. No, no, (laughs) but you know what? But what you're really talking about is process. And
0: what I have taught uh, as an adjunct, uh, I've actually taught process courses for writing. I'm like, I I would say, I don't care if you write the same page 20 times. I want to see what you're doing and how you're doing it. Because that, to me, is more important than the idea that you have. That that's
3: fungible, that's going to just kind of run through the process. You mentioned Picasso. and You ever hear that great Guernica quote? No. You know Guernica. Yeah. Uh, he it's in his Paris studio and he painted it because of the bombing of Guernica. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Nazi in it, there's a Nazi officer in his studio. You know, that's Picasso was in Paris when the Nazis occupied Paris. Mm-hmm. And the Nazi officer was looking at Guernica and he said to Picasso, Did you paint that? And Picasso said, No, you did. Wow. Ooh, wow. Mic drop. That's <laughs> <Mike deep>. drop. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is
1: deep. take that Nazi. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> who influenced God. you in your career um, art wise uh,
3: a who lot of a, a whole centuries of different artists but uh, when I went to the Prado in Madrid I walked out of there and said well I should just go home and break my brushes uh, so Murillo, El Greco uh, Velazquez Goya those guys really meant a lot to me um, uh, and then uh, early uh, early renaissance frescoes mm. uh, a lot of my work is uh i sort of sand them down and make them look like they're really old because i love that history nice yeah
1: that's cool very nice, nice. you
3: ever like throw coffee
0: on them today Jim?
3: <laughs> no but i'll try that <laughs> okay Thank <you>. thanks <laughs> well
0: you know what we got just uh, uh, another minute or two left um so just in, in wrapping up i, I just want to say again it's one of the great pleasures uh that I've had in, in co-hosting the show with, with Bridget, uh, my, my old prime prom date, and the bar set really low with me, uh, uh, is, is getting to meet a lot of people and, and, and getting to know them, and, and I say that with both of you guys, so thank you both for coming on. Thank uh, you. Yeah, and, and to everybody um, out there, this is Alex Sokolow,
1: I'm Anne Liguori. Thank you so much for having me, Alec and
0: Bridget. No, we miss you. We do but... miss you. Please come back, Bridget. I'm, I'm <laughs> so not good at the like, grown-up stuff. Um, and uh, you're listening to Sundays on, on the East End. Everybody, please uh, be well and stay well.